From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. As many of our listeners know, I am a former staff member of the House Post Office and Civil Service Committee of Blessed Memory. So I know there is a special place in heaven for congressional staff members, particularly those who are on committee staff. Exemplary staff members greatly impact a lawmaker's ability to be a success. Such staff members advise representatives and senators of policy options, legislative strategy, and they serve as a sounding board. They also are charged with interacting on a regular basis with folks like me who lobby our legislators. So successful legislators, whether in the House or the Senate, greatly value quality staff that can deliver the goods and protect them from people like me. With that as prologue, my guest this week on Naps Chat is Ethan Van Ness, policy advisor and parliamentarian for the House Oversight and Reform Committee. He worked diligently on behalf of the committee chair, Carolyn Maloney, on H.R. 3076, the House-passed Postal Reform Act of 2022. Prior to joining the Oversight and Reform Committee, Ethan worked for Representative Mark DeSaulnier of California and former Representative Elliot Engel of New York. Ethan is one of those first-class, yet often anonymous, congressional staff members who serve elected policymakers, but more importantly, serve the interest of the American public. Ethan and I will talk about H.R. 3076, the NAP-supported legislation that passed the House of Representatives on Tuesday by an overwhelming 342 to 92 majority. The bill now awaits a vote in the Senate. Welcome to NAP's chat, Ethan, and congratulations to Chairwoman Carol Maloney, to you and to the entire committee staff on delivering a House-passed postal bill to the Senate. Hi, Bob. Thanks very much for having me, and uh, thank you for that congratulations. We're very excited. Let's do a little bit of his history here. Chairwoman Maloney has a long, long history championing the, the Postal Service and its employees, dating back to her first congressional campaign in 1992, where postal issues were a campaign issue. Prior to coming to the committee, were postal issues in your legislative portfolio? Yes. Postal issues are something I've worked on uh, for quite a while. It was one of the first issues I had when I worked on a a postal renaming bill for Mr. DeSonier several years ago. So on the legislative issues, the policy issues, which are more than just naming post offices, how did you familiarize yourself with those issues and the postal community? So um, the legislative director of the committee, Mark Stevenson, who I believe has been a, a guest on your show before, has been doing postal issues for a very long time. So I had the benefit of working as a staffer to the oversight committee for Mr. DeSonier for a number of years. And so I got to know Mark pretty well. And so Mark helped teach me the lay of the land on postal reform related issues. And then when I came over to the committee, it was made part of my portfolio. And so I took myself down the path of learning the issues inside and out as much as I could. And then, of course, um, I came to the committee, and about a month later, Postmaster General DeJoy took over the Postal Service, and it, the Postal Service became a major national issue. And so it was a little bit of trial by fire. I had to learn in order to deal with everything that was happening in the public sphere. 
So I, this is a little bit tangential to that question, and that is you work both in a personal office for Congressman Engel and Congressman DeSaulnier, and then you moved on to the committee. In terms of interaction with individual members of Congress, could you explain the difference between the two um, experiences? Sure. So a personal office, you're focused solely on a single member and that single member's district. While on the committee, you're still focused on the chair. So I, I still serve Chairwoman Maloney. I also have to respond to the members of our committee and members of Congress as a whole when their offices have questions in my issue area that the committee covers. So I have a bit more of an expansive job in who I have to respond to in a way that on the committee in a way that you don't in the personal office. And there's just more specificity in terms of the policy issues that I handle. And they're focused more on policy expertise than necessarily the expertise of one single district. Also, you're like one step removed from the politics of the issue and more on the legislative politics rather than the election politics of an issue. That's certainly true, yes. My focus ends up being much more on the policies, politics within the House and the Senate than on the politics of any individual congressional district, to be sure. Now, let's turn our attention to H.R. 3076, the House passed Postal Reform Act of 2022, a landslide victory for Chairwoman Maloney, as you're, you know, 342 to 92 is no uh, uh, mirage. I don't mean to be glib, but how did she do it? Well, the chairwoman had a single-mindedness about this bill. She has said since the beginning of this Congress that this is her top priority, and she pushed us and made sure it was her top priority and our top priority. So we worked very hard across the aisle and with the Senate to get this bill in a place where it could be accepted by both parties so that we could move it. And things just happened to fall into place in the right way, and negotiations were, were tough but fair. Um, and we managed to be able to get it to the floor. But it really was the chairwoman's single-mindedness that this needed to get done that got it across the line. Yeah, because she inherited this issue from uh, former chairwoman Elijah Cummings, who tried the, during the previous Congress to try to get to get a postal bill, but was unable to get it across uh, the line in the House of Representatives. Yet Congresswoman Maloney was able to do so. Does that speak to relationships or does that just speak to the environment? I don't necessarily want to comment on the differences between the two because the situation is just different. We we happen to have the right the right partner in uh, ranking member Comer and the Republican staff at the right time. And at a moment when the Postal Service was recognized as being more important than ever, I think during the pandemic, people realized how important the Postal Service is. And so that created a public sense of the need and importance of protecting this institution that just makes this a really unique moment to get this done. And so there was a lot of public support and a lot of congressional support for moving this bill. At some point, it became inevitable that the House was going to take up this bill. So at what point did chair, the chairwoman and you as a member of the staff believe the bill had real traction to pass? I think we had a sense that there was real traction to pass when we were having bipartisan, bicameral negotiations, and we were managing to get a bill to being almost at the point of being done with those negotiations and having members on both sides on board. Anytime that happens and you can really get a bill text that everyone agrees to, that's a really good sign. And so that was when we really started to feel, okay, this is going, this is going to move. We're, we're all bought into this. 
Let's talk about Bill Text for a moment. As you know, Chairwoman Maloney has been in that, on NAPS chat, as has, as you referenced this, uh, the legislative director, Mark Stevenson, was also a guest. One of the items we always spoke about was that the repeal of the retirement uh, pre-funding requirement was a first step to stabilize postal finances. However, broader legislation was necessary to get it to the House floor. Why did members of the committee coalesce around this broader bill rather than just a repeal bill? So I think there was a bit of an understanding that in addition to repealing the pre-funding mandate, which would clear the books and provide quite a bit of financial relief, there was a need to create additional savings that the Postal Service would be able to realize in the long term. And that's part of how Medicare integration really helps. Medicare integration allows the Postal Service to have a, a lot fewer expenses in their out years, which saves them a lot of money. So the decision was made by the members to really focus on making this bill about the financial stability of the Postal Service, which requires a little bit more of an expansive view than just the pre-funding requirement, but also keeps it narrow enough that we're not dealing with tangential operational related issues at the Postal Service. Let, let's talk about Medicare integration. Because it's one of the most complicated provisions in the bill and actually was vexing at different times. And that provision ensures that post-2024 postal retirees fully avail themselves to both a postal health plan within FEHBP and Medicare. In NAPS's statement of support of H.R. 3076, we commended the committee for threading the needle on uh, employee and retiree health coverage. Could you talk a little bit about how that Herculean feat was accomplished? A lot of back and forth with federal agencies, the Postal Service and uh, postal unions, a lot of back and forth on between both sides of the aisle. Um, you know, Medicare is incredibly complicated. I have some background in health policy, but we relied a lot upon the agencies to help us make this work and upon you know, energy and commerce and ways and means weighing in to make this work. It is certainly complicated, but the goal was to make this fair for both federal employees and Postal Service employees to make sure that no one's going to be spending a lot more money and to make sure that it isn't going to cost the federal government or the Postal Service a lot of money. So it took a lot of time, a lot of different iterations of the legislation, but we think we really got it to a place where the bill is fair and the bill will provide good coverage at an affordable price for both federal employees and Postal Service employees. I know part of the delay over the summer and into the fall with bringing up the Postal Bill was that the, one of the committees that had jurisdiction over particularly the Medicare provision was the Ways and Means Committee, and they were dealing with budget issues, for example, reconciliation and so forth. How was it working with another committee on sort of crafting this bill? So I personally really enjoy working with other committees because they have a different set of expertise than I have. So I know when they're weighing in on something, they have a different background. So while I know the postal issues, they know the Medicare issue like the back of their hand. So it, it can certainly be complicated at times because you're working from very different viewpoints, but it's also incredibly valuable because that's how you get legislation to a good place. Different levels of expertise on different topics coming together to make a bill work. And that's what the best of Congress is supposed to look like. And I think we got the best of Congress here. Let's talk about the best of con continue talking about the best of Congress. And one of the approaches taken by the leadership of both the House Oversight and Reform Committee and the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committees was 
close collaboration first in drafting of the bill and then in modifying it. Could you talk about the pro- this process that the staff has referred to as the four corners approach? Sure. So for anyone who isn't familiar with the term, a four corners approach is where you have the chair and the ranking member of both the House and the Senate Committee of Jurisdiction all negotiating together. It's the best way to be able to get something across the line, because when it passes the House, you know it's not dead in the Senate because the Senate is bought in. So we determined early on that while the majority side of the House Oversight Committee was going to take point in going through the different iterations, we all were going to have to work together to sign off on different provisions to make sure we could get the bill across the line. And so we operated in that four corners approach throughout the process of the bill. And it's, I think, what's allowed it to have so much support coming out of the Republican caucus in the House, even though they're in the minority, and why we think it'll pass through the Senate pretty quickly. The Senate is going to be taking up this bill as early as next week, is my my understanding. Can you talk a little bit about what happened on the Senate floor this morning, which is this morning is Thursday, the uh, 10th of February, that sort of moves it forward? Let me couch this with, I am not a Senate procedure expert. I have worked in the House my entire career. But my understanding is that Majority Leader Schumer has said he's going to move the bill to the floor early next week and go through a process called cloture. And so when you get to the floor next week, they'll have a decision about what amendments will be considered and debated and how long debate will be before a vote. So our hope is to see a vote on this bill next week with the goal of it being on the president's desk as soon as possible. What happens if the Senate in some way amends the bill? So if the Senate were to to amend the bill, it would then come back to the House for us to consider the bill as amended. We do not necessarily anticipate there being any amendments in the Senate, though. We think that any amendments that will get offered will probably get voted down just like they did in the House. But that is the goal. We shall see. One of the issues that attracted attention by some of our postal competitors is the requirement that the Postal Service maintain a six-day integrated delivery network. This may or may not come up on the Senate side. Could you explain the intent of the provision to legislate a six-day integrated delivery network? Sure. So the intent behind it was to basically codify what the Postal Service is doing right now, which is to deliver mail and packages six days a week on one single network. And that means so the Postal Service isn't delivering packages only on Saturday or mail only on Saturday. We think this is the best way for the Postal Service to move forward. And it's the way the Postal Service is operating now. And so we thought it made sense to put that into law and say this is what the Postal Service should be doing. We want to make sure that mail has continued to be delivered on the weekends. A lot of people rely on the mail for medications and other critical supplies, particularly in rural areas. So we thought this was an important provision to include. Another provision in the bill, and I'd like just to talk about it, what you envision about it, what the uh, crafters of the bill envision, is to permit the Postal Service to make available governmental non-postal products. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So that that was a provision that was put in there to attempt to create more revenue sources for the Postal Service without stipulating exactly what those revenue sources be. So it was written fairly broadly to allow the Postal Service to contract with state, local and tribal governments to be able to offer services such as hunting and fishing licenses. And, And really, it's only limited by what the Postal Service and a state, local or tribal government can agree upon. 
So you could see it be, you know, providing some DMV services, but it's really up to those agreements. And we think that'll be a great source of new revenue. And we think it'll be really convenient for state, local and tribal governments because there's a post office in almost every single town. So, you know, if you need to renew your license for your car to drive your car or your registration or you need your hunting license, that's something that could conceivably be marketed at a, at a post office. Yes. Yeah. And that would just be up to the local government or state government and the Postal Service making a contract. But yes, it's in theory possible under this bill. One of the other issues that I know that uh, the ranking member, ranking member uh, James Comer from Kentucky was promoting was the online portal to assess postal performance by zip code. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So we think this is a great idea that was offered by ranking member Comer. And the idea is that once a week, the Postal Service will have to post an update on an online dashboard that the public will be able to access that shows down to the zip code level how mail is doing. Is it coming on time? How long is it taking to come? And so we think this will be really good for communities to understand how their mail is going, but it will also be very good for Congress to be able to provide better oversight. So we won't have to go ask the Postal Service for their delivery numbers. We can just see them online. And so we think it's a great tool for both the public and for Congress to have more oversight and transparency of what's happening at the Postal Service. Do you think this would be coordinated with, for example, the Office of Inspector General of the Postal Service, the Postal Regulatory Commission? This would be a type of information that would be useful to them also? I'm sure that the PRC and the Office of Inspector General will find it useful, but I'd have to leave it to them to comment on how they would use it. How do you think Congress is going to use this data? As, as I'm sure everyone who's listening is aware, there was some bad there were some bad delivery numbers over the last year and a half. Certainly, the pandemic did not help with this, with having thousands of uh, staff out. Um, this will allow us to have a better sense of where the problems are. Is this a national problem? Is this a local problem that we need to address at a single postal facility? Is this a regional problem? It'll give us a better idea of where and how we need to do oversight of the Postal Service and allow us to work with the Postal Service in a more effective, efficient way to fix problems that arise as they arise. Yeah, because uh, I know one of the uh, subcommittees of the Oversight and Reform Committee, uh, that the one that's chaired by Jerry Connolly, uh, the House Subcommittee on Government Operations, conducted a hearing about some mail problems in Chicago a couple of months ago. And in fact, next week is holding a hearing in Baltimore about problems out there. So that this has sort of impact on those types of investigations by Congress? Yes, it, it certainly could be helpful. Instead of looking at aggregated data from, uh, you know, a month ago, we would get up to the minute or up to the week, I should say, updates about how serv service is going, and then we can work from there. So I would imagine that in any hearing that might be done, it would be incredibly helpful. But I think the hope is that this allows us to address a problem before it gets to it being a problem for months at a time. It allows us to see a problem one week to the next and address it quickly. I know this weekend the chairwoman plans to conduct a, I guess, a celebratory press conference at the Franklin Delano Roosevelt Post Office in Manhattan, which is close to her home. It's within her congressional district. And many of members of National Association of Postal Supervisors, our New York members, are expected to attend and congratulate her for reaching this stage in the process. How optimistic is she that this bill is, in fact, going to pass the Senate and get to the president's desk in short order? I think that the 
uh, chairwoman is feeling very optimistic. I think we all are. We've worked very hard and the chairwoman's worked harder than all of us to get this done. And so I think we're feeling very good about where it is and we're hoping to see it move pretty quickly. And the Senate majority leader's comments this morning make us feel pretty good about that. Yes, you know, he, a, a cloture petition was filed with 18 senators signing on. I'm assuming cloture is invoked next week. We can go on and we can get on with our lives and move on to other postal issues, right? Exactly, exactly. And there are a lot of other postal issues, right? There are plenty of postal issues to handle at every, any given time. As I said before, we really focus this bill on the financial situation because if you don't fix that problem, you can't deal with anything else that might come up. Right. And the chairwoman mentioned, I remember on the, I, I recall on the House floor and within the committee that this is not the end of the game. This is just the beginning. Exactly. The chairwoman believes in having a vibrant postal service that can effectively serve the American people. It's, she likes to talk about the fact that this is in the Constitution of the United States and the first postmaster general was Ben Franklin. And he was appointed in 1775. The Postal Service is older than the United States as a country. And so we want to make sure that we have a strong Postal Service for years to come. And this bill was designed as a step in the right direction to make sure that happens. And I believe the first postal route, the so-called Boston Post Road, came through her district in New York. So there is history associated with the Congresswoman's congressional district and the Postal Service. That's great history. I did not know that. I want to thank you, Ethan, for uh, joining me on this week's NAPS chat. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here and get to speak with you and hope uh, your listeners have learned something from it. And congr once again, congratulations on House passage of H.R. 3076. Also, Thanks very much. Uh, thank you. Also, I want to thank NAPS chat listeners for logging on this week. If you enjoy NAPS chat, please leave a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store. And more importantly, share NAPS chat with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy. I'm going to send